1: Ladies and gentlemen. Yes, fan of the Common Man yet again on three CR on a Saturday. We are the dogs, we are the DOGS, we are the defenders of government school DOGS. We've been here for decades, we'll be here for decades until the fight to defend government schools is no longer required because government schools will be appropriately funded. Every child in Australia will get a gold standard education that is free secular and compulsory. And for all those children who do not avail themselves of the government school system, we wish them very well and their parents very well as well. And they can fund their own education system separate to the one that's provided by us, the people of Australia, the government school system. Now, when we discuss um, various issues around education each week, we look at Australia, of course, but we also look around the world and we look to other countries to see what's going on. And in particular, a couple of other countries Uh, very relevant to Australia because Australia, as we've discovered over the last few decades, is a follower. We don't lead anything, like we don't lead action against climate change, we wait for everyone else. And so if a country is not a leader and is just a follower, you can usually predict what's going to happen in a country by looking at the countries that we follow. And one of those countries is America. And we follow America in most things and certainly in education policy. America started privatising its school system, Australia did the same thing, um, in a slightly different and Australian flavoured way, but we certainly do it. But there's some very interesting things happening in America when it comes to education, um, and Jean will be filling on those, filling us in on those um, with her press release. Uh, is it 778, Jean?
2: Yes, yes, it is seven
1: seven eight. Oh, well, thanks, Jane. And later in the program, we'll be coming back to Australia because there's some fascinating things going on up in New South Wales, which Dale and I will fill you in on. I mean, if it, if it wasn't tragic, it'd be funny. So I'm going to choose to laugh about it. But um, there's been a court case up in a very, um, a very posh school in Sydney, Kambala it's called. I'd never heard of it previously, but we're about to find a bit more about it. And there's been a big fight amongst all the entitled people, and when entitled people fight, it's always really interesting because once they start shouting at each other, um, they let slip, they let slip some things they don't want the rest of us who aren't entitled to know about. So we'll be talking about a fight going up, going on up at Kambala in Rose Bay, in New South Wales, and then the of course the
2: eastern suburbs entitlement people.
1: Well, yes, Jane, you'd know about that. I sort of spent some time in Sydney when I was a Westie. You, you, you know more about that than I would. Um,
2: oh well, I wasn't Eastern Suburbs. I assure you, I was oh, Western too. Aren't
1: we terrible? <laughs> We've got chips on our shoulders. <laughs> All the politics of envy you hear on three CR. I can hear the, our our right wing of opposition telling us. Um, look, truth to tell, we'll also finish up with a wonderful segment, which is um, our great state school. And the state school I'm going to talk about is, is great because it's the sort of school that can only be run by the people. It's a school that can't exist in a private university, it only exists in a world where we the people come together to provide some sense of academic excellence but I'll be telling you more about that um, at the end of the program but before we go to our great state school and before we go to New South Wales I think we should trip off to America where Jean has some things to tell us about what's going on over there after, after this. We have no justice in this country
0: and we still face systemic racism and ongoing violence at the hands of the Australian state. That is why we protest. That is why we march. Please join us this Invasion Day and condemn the ongoing violence, ongoing theft, the ongoing discrimination we as Indigenous people across so-called Australia face.
3: We meet on Saturday the twenty sixth of January at ten thirty AM at the steps of Parliament. Organisers have asked for supporters to wear black and bring flowers. For more information, visit the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance page on Facebook. Sail for human rights, Indigenous sovereignty, and climate justice. Our destination is Manus Island. Join us for the Freedom Flotilla. Sailforjustice.org.
2: Get on board. A 3CR supporter. Just a little, um, not correction, but perhaps amendment to Robert's view of American and Australian history. Australia was ahead of the world in education by 1900 and America caught up. But America has always led the field in separation of religion from the state because until recently their Supreme Court was prepared to say that their First Amendment uh, did separate religion from the state whereas our High Court was not prepared to say that our Section 116 which imitates or is very closely aligned to the First Amendment, separates religion from the state. So uh, as far as the religionists are concerned, Australia led the world around about, or led America around about 1960 in entanglement of religion with the state by giving lots and lots and now billions and billions and more billions to religious schools. But um, over there in America the teachers are out in favour of public education and in Los Angeles there is an ongoing strike still going on as we speak. But it takes a lot for teachers and nurses to go out on strike because they are the caring professions and that's why it's so easy to blackmail teachers uh, with what I call the professional shibboleth. In Australia, We didn't have teachers' strikes until the 1960s. And for nurses, the nurses didn't go out on strike, I believe, until about 1986 with Irene Bolger here in Melbourne. But in Trump's America, in the nation's largest school strike, there's 30,000 Los Angeles public school teachers who have walked out last Monday. That was the 14th of January 2019. Now, this strike follows months of failed negotiations between the Los Angeles Unified School District and the Teachers Union to reach a deal for smaller class sizes, increased support staff, along with pay rises. It's not just about pay, it's about conditions for learning for children. Now, close to 30,000 Los Angeles-based teachers have taken to the streets, and they're still out there. Uh, And this is called by the press there, educator activism. How do you like that, Robert? Educator activism. Um,
1: I love love a new euphemism. Um, I think it's just a bunch of annoyed teachers who are sick of it.
2: (laughs) Yes, uh, and there's plenty more of them around America. The strike follows months of failed negotiations. And it's the largest school strike in the nation's second largest school district. So what is it about? Well, we've just told you uh, the teachers' union is bargaining for a 6.5% pay rise, effective immediately. But the district came back with only a 6% increase over two years of a three-year contract. And the district released its largest negotiations last Friday, offering an additional $24 200 more teachers than their previous offer. Still not enough. Uh, So they tried to strike break. They hired close to 400 non-unionised substitute teachers, I think. In the old days, these would have been called scabs. And 2,000 reassigned administrators. So the administrators have been uh, put back in the classroom to replace the 30,000 teachers. And the students have been told to go back to school. Now, the man in charge of the uh, Los Angeles district is a man called Austin Boytner. And uh, he is a banker, he's not an educator, and one of Trump's boys. Uh, he's an um, extreme right-wing banker. Now, even the charter school teachers are part of this protest movement. This is fascinating. As, as it got in from Monday to Tuesday, the uh, charter teachers went out. And they were from the accelerated charter schools who started their own strike on Tuesday morning, and they went outside their own boss's uh, uh, place in in Los Angeles. And a strike of charter school educators is a bit like private school uh, teachers going on strike here. Is unprecedented in California, and it's nearly unprecedented in the nation because the vast majority of charter school educators are not unionised, unlike those from the accelerated charter schools. But on, on Tuesday last, uh, the charter uh, teachers joined the ordinary teachers from public schools and uh, they're out in the streets. And not unsurprisingly, Bernie Sanders was behind them. But the strike's about more, much more than teacher remuneration. However important that issue may be, and we know it's very important here in Australia because we're not getting people to go into the teaching profession uh, because it's not paid well enough and it's not recognised in the way it is, say, in a place like Finland. Now, The Los Angeles strike stands out because of the size of the district. It's a very big district with 640,000 students and about 500,000 enrolled in the district's public schools. These are big figures by Australian standards. And Los Angeles represents the second largest school district in the United States. And the only bigger district, of course, is the New York City. Uh, And it involves 34,000 teachers And if you compare, there have been other strikes in recent uh, months. There was one in West Virginia, which involved about 20,000 teachers and affected approximately 270,000 students. The political context is also different. When the West Virginia teachers walked out, they were battling a conservative state legislature in a largely rural majority white state, But Los Angeles is urban, is far more diverse, and it's located in the state that has voted mostly Democratic in presidential elections since 1992. Um, But look at the uh, young people who are in the schools. 73% are Latino, 10.5% are white, 8.2% are black, and 4.2% are Asian. And the district serves over 150,000 students. whose first language is not English. Uh, the situation for the Los Angeles Teachers Union is also different in several ways. For instance, it's engaged in an active fight against the rapid growth of charter schools because Los Angeles is home to the largest number of charter schools in the United States. There's 277 of them. And I think as we've told you before, charter schools are private schools run by private trusts or companies that are publicly funded. They are for-profit schools. They are genuinely private schools that are publicly funded for profit. Since 2008... The charter school industry in Los Angeles has grown 287% and according to the Los Angeles Teachers' Union, this is effectively siphoning off $550 million United States per year from the district's traditional public schools. And the... The Unified School District Superintendent, the gentleman I was talking about before, Austin Boytner, uh, he is a pro-charter school superintendent with no education experience whatever his experience is in profit-making. Now any strike about pay, if you sit and think about it in the current Australian situation as in America, is also a strike about investment in public education because these are public education teachers and if you want to look after public education then you look after the people who are working in it and you pay them decently and you regard them with great respect. Now, like strikes in Oklahoma and Arizona and Kentucky and Colorado and North Carolina, and there's been strikes in all these places in recent months, the Los Angeles teachers' strike is essentially about greater investment in public education because they just don't want this 6.5% salary increase to make up for what they call their stagnant wages. The average teacher makes almost 19% less in wages than comparable workers and in California specifically the figure is about 15%. Los Angeles teachers make between $50,000 and $80,000 which is similar to what happens here in Australia. But the cost of living in LA is so high that a two-bedroom apartment requires a six-figure income. And this means that many teachers have second or even third jobs. Well, one one would wonder how one can do a decent first job if you've got to have a second or third job. But beyond the wages, the teachers have also begun to demand a greater commitment to investment in public education from their governing bodies, either the school boards or the state legislatures. In Oklahoma, for example, striking teachers protested inadequate instructional materials and there, as here, many, many teachers spend their own money on basic materials for students in their classroom and many of the uh, textbooks are outdated and deteriorating. In Los Angeles, striking teachers are demanding, among other things, a reduction in classroom sizes. We've heard this before, haven't we, here in Australia? And over there, they can have up to 46 students in some classrooms based on their current contract. And teachers argue that the large class sizes make it difficult to meet the demands of their students. Now, remember what kind of students these are. Uh, remember that a large number of them, 150,000 of these students, do not have their first language as English. As well as that, the teachers in Los Angeles want to an increase in school nurses, librarians and counsellors. Sound familiar? Wouldn't we love, here in Victoria, lots and lots of well-qualified counsellors rather than School chaplains that have no qualifications whatever excepting religious ones. Now these issues get at the heart of student learning because students need adequate supplies, individual teacher attention and access to mental health services such as counsellors if they're expected to thrive in our classrooms. But the ability for public schools to provide for all of these instructional and social support needs has become increasingly difficult in America as states have continued to underfund their public education systems. And if you delve deeper into the Los Angeles situation, you will see that a lot of the money that used to come into public education has gone because of, quote, taxation reform, which is really taxation deform, which means that property taxes have been lessened and the property classes, the people who own property, are paying less land tax. So it's a bit like here in Victoria, if the land tax which comes into our state coffers was halved, then this would really affect the money available for public education in Victoria. And also hospitals and everything else. Now, this Los Angeles strike, as you might have uh, gathered from what I've been talking about, is in fact part of a much greater teacher protest movement throughout America. And this is really a very good sign. Whatever else Trump has done, he has politicised the unpolitical classes of America, as Mr. Morrison has done here in Australia. So don't knock these people, (laughs) particularly the young, are starting to wake up, as they are in England too with the Brexit issue. Now, the Los Angeles strike suggests that the wave of teacher protests is not over. As long as public schools remain underfunded, the nation can expect to see more teacher strikes in other school districts and states in the near future. And listeners, here in Australia, the teachers' unions have been doing a wonderful job with their fair funding campaign and we can see a lot more of that going on up to the election. And if the Labor Party does get back into Canberra, I suggest that Mr Shorten should be and remain aware of the state school vote that first of all put Mr Andrews here in Victoria and will, we hope, put him into power along with uh, the Greens in Canberra in May, might even be before May, sooner the better. Now... Teacher strikes and work stoppages in America have been preceded by a nationwide teacher shortage that continues to grow across many states, which don't have enough certified math, special education science and in increasing cases, elementary teachers. Sound familiar? What else are they all talking about in Canberra at the moment? Lack of teachers and our qualified and experienced teachers are retiring. So in California, 80% of districts reported a teacher shortage in the 2017 to 2018 school year and teacher shortages are most often blamed on low teacher pay, one of the commonalities across all of the teacher strikes. And these shortages are arguably exacerbated by an increase in the teacher pay penalty. This term is used to describe disparities in teacher salary compared to professions requiring comparable levels of education. Interesting. The teacher pay penalty. What an interesting expression. What do you think of that one, Robert? The teacher pay penalty. It's used to describe the disparities in teacher salary compared to professions requiring comparable levels of education.
1: Oh, I think... Um I think those people who are going on and on and on about capitalism, on and on about sort of neoliberal and post-capitalism, always talk about the freedom of the market, except when it comes to wages. Except when it comes to wages. When it comes to wages, comes to wages of people where there's a teacher shortage.
2: You're not going to get them unless you pay Where there's a
1: teacher shortage and the wages are low. Say, oh, no, 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 we can't put up the wages. That, uh, that wouldn't be right. Um, a teacher paid, was it? A teacher pay parity difference. It's a penalty, isn't it? Really. So you know the the, the whole sort of thing where they're going on about charter schools. A charter school, if you really sit down and think about it, is we've got a certain amount of money. Let's just say it costs a hundred bucks to run a school. Well, if you give it to a bunch of teachers and a bunch of educators, they take that hundred bucks and they run a school. Yes, they're supported by an education department to make sure that what they teach is appropriate and there's oversight and all that sort of stuff. But the hundred bucks goes to the school. A charter school is you take the hundred dollars, you give it to a company who runs a series of schools, who will educate the same number of students and make a profit. Let's just say they make a profit of, I don't know, 20%. That means $80 goes on the kids and $20 goes on pure profit, if it's $100 you're spending to run a school, in our scenario. So we're being told two things. Firstly, private is good, public is bad because... Private school systems will spend only $80 on kids and take some profit, whereas a public system just spends $100. Um, And the second thing we're being told is that the free market solves all problems except when it comes to the wages of employees, except when it comes to teachers. So if there's an undersupply of teachers, that is, you don't have enough, um, and you've got problems recruiting them into the um, industry of teaching and education, industry is a funny word, into the vocation, into the calling of teaching. If you're attracting them in there, um, you need to pay them more. But no, that's not the way capitalism works. So um, the, the the teacher pay penalty, I think, is a real thing. And I think all those people, even if they are pure capitalists, should get their should should get their capitalism right. Start paying them more if you if you need good teachers, pay for them.
2: And the other thing, of course, is job security. This is what the charter school teachers don't have, and why they're out in the streets with the public school teachers. Um, and uh, they're very brave to be doing it because uh, uh, they could be sacked tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So there you are. Uh, That is all I have to say about the Los Angeles strike. I thought you would be interested, listeners, because uh, there is just so much that is going on in America. And when we read about it, we think, oh, yes, yes, this is what's also going on in Australia. And... um, When the schoolmaster is abroad, wonderful things do happen. When you see those young people out in the streets on climate change, my immediate reaction was, ah, the schoolmaster and mistress have been abroad. They are perhaps the most important people in our community. Let's recognise this and let's pay them. Let's give them job security. Let's reward them not only with money but with a proper career structure and let's protect them from all of those who would decry them. They are the most important thing in our public education system, our teachers. But uh, that's enough for me. Let's have some music and then I'll hand it over to Robert who's got some very interesting material. (laughs) Amen. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the Dogs Programme. That was a little bit of Zelenka. Yeah, 17th century choral music there performed by a scholar cantor of Melbourne. Uh, that was Kyrie Laison from the uh, Litanies of Sir Francis Xavier. So, for all those people out there that think we're anti religion, nah, not when it comes to music. Um, what does Kyrie Laison mean, Jane again? Sorry? Lord have mercy. Yes, yes. Lord have Lord mercy. Lord have
2: mercy on the children in our public schools. Yes,
1: and I think we should have a bit of mercy on each other and, and then we'll be right. Um, Look, what's going on in the United States in Los Angeles is perhaps um, a premonition about what might be happening in Australia because the state school vote is getting up and running. Now, as anyone who's a student of history, or at least of Australian history, knows that um, things only really happen in Australia when the middle class get grumpy. Um, Now, in the education debate, it's true to say that the state education system of this great country of ours, Australia, educates a little bit over 60%. No more than 70% of the population and 30% of the population are privately educated, publicly funded, but separated out into schools which can exclude children and teachers are based upon anything they really feel like because they're all religious and we have religious freedom laws in this country. So what happens is a lot of the middle class try to separate their children off from the children of the poor and send them to private schools. There, I've said it. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons why people send their children to private schools, but collectively that is one of them. You want to separate your children off. Um, You you, you spend the money and you send them to a private school and then you demand that the taxpayer also spend the money and send send the money over to educate your child as well.
2: Oh, the devil take the hindmost.
1: Oh, definitely the devil take the hindmost. So not much tirielazon going on there. Now, oh, perhaps
2: they should have a look at uh, Psalm 103. I think it is where, oh, yeah, tell where me, <laughs> you. God, according to Psalm 103, God God executes judgment and righteousness upon the oppressed. Oh
1: dear, <laughs> righteousness and upon the oppressed. Oh, that doesn't sound very nice to the oppressed. <laughs> Hang on. This Bible doesn't sound very good for the state's that bill. It sounds a little pulp fiction. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it does indeed.
2: Oh well, I thought I'd have a go.
1: Yeah, why not? Um, but it turns out that in Australia, um, what's happening is that a new report had just come out that just came out says that 85% of all private schools are getting more public funding than public schools for equivalent students. And when I say equivalent students in Australia, it is a fact. It is a disgusting fact. It is a very depressing fact that the income of your parents is the single one of the single greatest determinants of your educational success. If your parents are rich, you're more likely to succeed at school than if your parents are poor. Um, that is a fact in Australia, and that is a fact here at the DOGS program that we um, fight against. That's why we're here. We are the defenders of government schools, because that is something that cannot be accepted in a civilised nation as a fact. But it's a fact that's growing more and more true. It's all, 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 all facts, all, all truths, um, either more or less or so. If you we- go
2: back... This is very interesting, Robert, because if you go back to the um, American Revolution and Adams and Jefferson, uh, Adams had his disagreements with Jefferson, who, of course, was a um, an aristocrat, if you like, or oh, he they wouldn't have, he wouldn't have called himself one. But Adams said that the uh, uh, republic, the American republic, had to be protected from the privileged classes. Mm. Uh, And Jefferson felt that so long as you educated the uh, people, that wouldn't be necessary. But I'm wondering whether or not we should be following Adams rather than Jefferson. Mm.
1: Um, Yes, yes. (laughs) Good old Adams. Um, But what I'm saying is that at the moment, um, because the mendacious middle classes want to have their cake and eat it, they're getting it. They're actually getting it. So 85% of private schools get more funding than local public schools based upon income equivalence, which is to say, yes, if you send your child to a stinkingly rich private school that costs $34,000 <laughs> to send your child to, uh, you're probably going to get a little bit less taxpayers' money per, for your child than if you send them to a local state school. But... There's a lot of private schools out there that are um, trying to charge low fees so they can attract people into their schools, and those are low-fee private schools are uh, receiving much more per dollar than the kids in the local state school down the road. Now, that's just wrong. Like, that's just unarguably the wrong thing to do. Um, and that's what's happening. And in Australia, we have this problem where the middle classes are going, well, of course it's wrong, but, you know, I'm not going to talk about it because I'm sending my child to the local private school, so it benefits me. This is the whole point of any corrupt system. A corrupt system has to benefit a large number of people, otherwise it won't survive. Now, in Australia, it doesn't benefit the 1%. It benefits the 20%. So one in five people in Australia are benefiting from the corruption of the education system. Four in five are being, well, being done over, quite frankly. Four in five are not benefiting. But for any corruption to work, all you have to do is convince that four in five that it's not quite so bad, don't worry about it, go back to sleep which is not what we do here at 3CR. But back to the LA teacher strike. In the LA teacher strike, the teachers are going, we would rather teach children in groups of less than 46. We would rather teach children so that we can identify their needs and support them properly. We would rather teach children with textbooks that aren't falling apart and published 15 years ago. We would rather teach children with the help of a district nurse to make sure the child is physically healthy before they come to my classroom. I would rather teach children um, who are not emotionally troubled with no support at all with um, counsellors and support systems in the school. We would rather do all of these things. and In fact, we'd rather do it so much we're going to go on strike until they give it to us. Now, in Australia, we don't have a teacher's strike. Yes. But in Australia, something very different is happening. The mendacious middle classes of Australia are no longer sending their children to private schools in anywhere near the same numbers as they used to. Because, as we highlighted in the last week's program, private school fees have gone up at two to three times the rate of um, the CPI increases in, in the last 15 years. They're getting relatively more and more expensive. And the mendacious middle class is going, hang on, I'm not going to spend my money on an education at my child for a, for, for a private school. I'm going to send them to the local state school. Yes, but, at the same time, public schools are being squeezed by not only surging enrolments of these mendacious middle classes, but they're actually getting fewer and fewer classes, fewer and fewer classes and fewer and fewer schools. And fewer and fewer schools have larger and larger number of reportables. Now I'm referring here to an article by Michael Kozal at the beginning of last year. Now at the beginning of last year, what happened was that there was a significant, statistically significant jump in enrollment of children in state schools in this country. And a significant uh, decrease in enrolment in students in private schools, because everyone knows what's going on. Property prices are falling. Things aren't looking quite good for the future. So you're going to set yourself up for 12 years of debt enrolling your child in a private school? I don't think so, because the mendacious middle classes of Australia aren't stupid. Just because they're mendacious doesn't mean they're idiots. They're, they're, they're now sending their children to state schools in ever increasing numbers. So the political will to have a good state school system if those parents from the middle classes are starting to send their children to me is going to grow. And when the teachers go on strike next year, which they will, they will be supported not just by the working poor, not just by the people who have no choice, but by the people who do have a choice about where they send their child because they've got enough money and have chosen to send their child to a state school. And that is, I think... The bit that we can take from the LA student rights. That when the, when the, when the teachers do eventually, when it's a rights, the strike, I should say in LA, (laughs) LA rights, that's not quite what's happening yet. But what will happen in Australia when the teachers strike next, because they will, is that the middle class parents will go, well, yes, yes, these teachers are striking for my child, my child who is very well educated in a state school and I have the money and the wherewithal and the political clout to do it. So the Liberal Party better take note of this because their voters are the ones that are starting to send their children to state schools.
2: That that is exactly what happened back in the 1960s when the teachers first went on strike and uh, the community really supported the nurses in 1986 too when the nurses finally went out. Now this this
1: is the beginning of school year in 2018. 2019 the figures aren't out yet but I can tell you right now I'm going to prophesy of the future. There will be another increase in enrolment in students in state schools. Mm-hmm. And this is after 22 years of state school enrolments decreasing year on year. Now it's turned around and they're increasing year on year. So after 22 years of, oh my goodness, was it John Howard who started pumping all that money into... Yeah, since Yeah, uh, 22 years since John Howard started pumping taxpayer money into private schools. Now we find that the people who are benefiting from the corruption of the education system in Australia, namely aspirational middle-class parents, will now find that they want to benefit, not from corruption, but from doing the right thing, which is to give every child in this country a gold standard education to the point where the income of your parents is no longer a contributing factor to how well you do on a maths test. Because in Australia today, how rich your parents are is the single biggest determinant of how you do on a maths test. And that is wrong. And as soon as that's not true, um, we'll we'll stop going to air. Uh, The dog program will will shut down and we'll go on hiatus until it changes again because... (laughs) Quite frankly. Privilege
2: have always had to be kept in check. Mm-hmm.
1: Which is what we do here at 3CR, 855 and AM Dolan podcast on the WWW. It's been great to have your company. Look, we're going to have a bit of music and come back with some interesting stories about what's going on in Sydney. Jumping all over the place when it comes to music uh, That is um, a band called Harlequin From Tasmania, playing an instrument I call, All sorts of wonderful instruments Which are made by the, by the musicians Harry, if you're listening, Harry Vass Congratulations on that, an old recording of yours uh, That was Quimon de again Which is um, from the Canticus de Santa Maria, written about oh, 700 years ago, brought to life Here on the radio Glories of Radio on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Now, before we had that lovely piece of music, I did promise you that we'd feel you in on what's going on deep at the heart of privilege. Um, what we're about to talk about goes beyond corruption. It goes beyond it. it. It's unbelievable. Sometimes when we're on this show, you can get a story and it's like candy from a baby. <laughs> Is the funding of education in Australia a complete mess of farce and and a corrupt mendacious mor- mor- morass. Yep, and here is a here just can't from baby. Here is a story. I think it's I'm going to get Dale to share it with you about what happens when the privileged fall out with each other.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Uh, yeah, this is an article from ABC News by Nick Sass and Janelle Wells uh, entitled. Kambala Girls' School and former principal settled defamation case out of court. One of the nation's most prestigious girls' schools has unreservedly apologised to its former principal after settling a high-profile case defamation case out of court. Uh, Kambala Girls School former principal Deborah Kelleher was suing her former employer in the New South Wales Supreme Court and two of its teachers over emails sent in April 2017 she claimed had defamed her. The emails were circulated in the days after Miss Kelleher resigned from the exclusive day and boarding school in Sydney's leafy Rose Bay after the staff took a vote of no confidence against her. The emails penned by the head of music teacher Mark Granderson and head of social science teacher June Peake were sent to various parents, staff, and former staff in the days following her re- resignation. The matter was listed for a jury trial, however, the two parties were keen to settle the dispute out of court to avoid media coverage and have since been negotiating out of court. The settlement amount was not disclosed, however, when the defamation case first was first launched, Ms. Kelleher, who lost her $650,000 annual whoa, salary. Whoa, whoa,
1: go, come, come, what was that? The <laughs> principal of a school. Of a, of a
0: school in a leafy suburb, an elite school, $650,000 annual salary. Every year. At the school, claimed losses of up to $2 million. In an apology released this morning, which was part of the settlement, the school and the teachers involved said they deeply regret and unequivocally withdraw the comments. Kembala, the school council, Mr Grandison and Miss Peake all apologise unreservedly to Miss Kelleher for the publication of those emails and for the harm and hurt they have caused her, the statement said. Ms. Kelleher said she was pleased that the matter had been resolved and that the school had apologized for the damaging comment made against me. I'm proud of my record as an educator and the work I, took, I undertook at Kambala was to build an inclusive school which focused on the needs of students. I'd like to thank staff, parents, students and wider school community who have supported me. Well, perhaps you could thank the taxpayer for your $650,000 annual salary. Now, I'm just going to pick you up on there because I think... Inclusive
1: school? Inclusive school. (laughs) She said the word inclusive. (laughs) Now... Dear listeners, I'm sorry, this, this is one of those candy from a baby things. I've got to say this, an inclusive school. What do you think an inclusive school is? Exclu- an inclusive school is a school that includes everyone. Well, quite frankly, to start off with, um, I mean, and this is candy from a baby. Um, it's a girl's school, so there's no boys. Yeah, so, and I'm, it's I'm not, a boarding school as well. And so that's fine, that's fine. How much? <laughs> 6% of the kids who go to this school come from a language background, other than English. Which is to a say... A whole 6%. A whole 6%. Uh, there are two kids in the school who are Indigenous. Okay. Well, that, so, in, that so, includes... Them. So, I, I just want well, to work out what this word inclusive That would be charity. What it means to Ms. Yeah, Kelleher. Cool. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to know what you mean by inclusive. Now, let's look at the, at the Ixia Valley, which is the income of the parents who send their kids to this school. Um. of the kids come from the top quarter of income brackets in Australia. 17% come from the upper middle quartile. Okay. So let's just add all those up. 97% of the kids come from the richest families in Australia. Well, they're including Um, them. How many, how many of the poorest, I mean, because we've got scholarship children there as well. Okay. So like there, there might be some poor kids, but no. There are zero kids from the lowest quartile of Australia. No, there's, Westies, there's Sorry, no, there's no Westies. There's no Westies. And 3% come from the lower middle classes of Australia. Only 3% come from... So that there's 3% of the kids there are scholarship kids, but they're not really poor ones. Hilarious. Mm. Um, so inclusive, inclusive school. I think this is absolutely fascinating. Um, I have to say um, the school's motto, yes, it values the... Sc- Kambala values humanity, courage, wonder and respect. Wonder. Yet wonder I wonder too. <laughs> I wonder what a teacher can do to get a, to get to get a salary of six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Can you
0: imagine what a public school headmaster would be
1: able to do with yep. that money? Oh just no. they'd take Half a million of it, Mm. okay, (laughs) because you're still left with 150000 which is about the salary of a a state school principal. You can take half a million dollars and educate some kids for that. Mm. There you go. Oh, look, how much does it cost to send a child to Kambala? Well, this is the really interesting bit because income per student, gross income per student, okay, per kid, now, remember, it takes about $15,000 to educate a child to a gold standard in, in this country of Australia. Now, if they're a rich kid, it takes less. But $15,000 for a median kid, $35,000 mm. per kid per year is being spent. Now, of that, the parents contribute about 30000 per kid. So there you go, parents. You're separating your kid off. You're paying for something. Um, around about the other 5000 comes from... Comes from the government, it comes from me, it comes from you. We pay for these kids to be separated off in this inverted commas inclusive <laughs> environment, close inverted commas. Absolutely, absolutely hilarious. But the bit that I find really interesting is that this payout of two million dollars and she gets paid six hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, which means that if you it all up between state and federal governments we the taxpayers are giving that school every year between three and a half and four million dollars now the payout and two years wages <laughs> was around about three and a half four million dollars um, for this one teacher for this one court case. Now I'm probably including in, you know, legal fees and all sorts of other things that went into this process as well. So quite frankly, this whole stash, this whole stouch in the courts was paid for by us. We paid for this. Because they don't need taxpayers' money to educate the kids in that school. Not at all. Because thirty thousand dollars is coughed up by the parents and other sources. The story's worth it, is it? Oh, i tell you what. But I think the fascinating thing is that she resigned after her entire staff voted that they didn't have confidence in her, but she's still got a $2 million payout, so I tell you what, she's got some good lawyers, hasn't she? Absolutely fascinating. But it gets even more interesting. It gets even more interesting. Let's just say that, Let's just say, oh, crazy stuff. No, I, I think I'll save it for next week. Don't worry. About it. But for now, I think we better just quickly get to our great state school. Every week on the Dogs Programme, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State schools. School, school great of the school week. week. Great state schools. State, state schools. schools school are of great the, schools. the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Programme. <laughs> a oh, great state school. Let, let's not let, let's not talk about silliness. Sometimes. Let's talk about something brilliant down here in Victoria. Now, the school I'm going to talk about, who is our great state school, is a school you don't get as a private school because it's actually the Victorian College of the Arts Secondary School. Now, the Victorian College of the Arts Secondary School is a school that's set up by the government for all those students who have real talent in the arts. Could be music, could be painting, could be literature, could be drama, could be anything. But it's a school that can only be put together by the people of Victoria who value the arts, which here in Victoria we do a great deal. So it's actually a secondary school set inside the VCA. Now, there's about a hundred or so um, teachers there, which is a brilliant thing to have. It's about a hundred or so teachers, and there's about 400 kids go there. Now, to get into this school, you've got to be, you've got to be good at your arts, okay? You've got to do an audition to get in. So it's actually a selective school in the sense, not of academic Work, but in terms of having an ability that is good to, that that, that requires um, mentoring and nurturing and watering and gardening, and then the kids themselves can can, can flourish in the art. Now, there's slightly more girls than boys, so boys and girls are all there. Uh, There are no Indigenous students, unfortunately, so I'm sorry to hear that, but it's an amazing school. How much does it cost? Uh, I don't care. It takes about $15,000 to educate just a normal kid in a normal school to a gold standard. These kids obviously need more mentoring because they have a particular gift which has been identified as a young child and we, the people of Victoria, think that these children should have something special to nurture them. Cost $20,000. That's about $15,000 less than those kids up at Kalimbury in New <laughs> South Wales. That's $20,000. Quite frankly, I think it's a very reasonable thing to do. How do they do in, how do they do in class? Yeah, right. They're good. No worries. Um, do they come from rich, from rich families? Yeah, they do. Um, I have to say they do, but they're but it's nowhere near as, as bad as that Kambala place. Um, yeah, they do, but, but not all. Um, around about 20% come from the lowest quartiles of, of Australian society because it's actually their ability to paint, to draw, to write, to play. That's what this place is all about, and that is the support they're given. And quite frankly, if we support the children of the future who have an artistic bent to their lives and we the taxpayers pay for it, I reckon it's a bloody brilliant thing to do and we should keep doing it. It's exactly the sort of thing that private schools really shouldn't be involved about because then they try to monetise these situations, which is not really the way, we, w- way you should go when it comes to all this sort of stuff. So really, my great state school of the week is the Victorian College of the Arts Secondary School because it just it, it actually produces kids that are not just nationally but internationally recognised um, into the future. And the specialist program is, is one of the best in the world, which is something I think we should be proud of. And for 20000 bucks a kid per year, I think it's perfectly reasonable. It's a bargain. But you've been listening to the Docs program here on 3CR 855 on the AMDOL. It's been great to have your company, um, to listen to some music and to catch up on the educational issues of the day here in Australia. We have to come back, of course because the fight's not over and government schools need defending into the future. But if you're interested in what we've been talking about, you can get hold of us at our website at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. Or if you're listening to this podcast, um, tell tell your mates, you can get to it on 3CR website or indeed our website as well. But from myself, Rob, and Jean, and Dale, here at the Dogs, until next week, it's bye for now.
4: saw Joey last night, alive as you and me. Says I but Joe, here ten years dead, I never died, says he. I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City, Joe says I I'm standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge. Says Joe, but I ain't dead. Says Joe, but I ain't dead. The copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe. Says I. Hmm.